The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. special edition of the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, brought to you by FanDuel. I'm Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. James, a lot to get to today. We have your thoughts from the Arizona Fall League, your re-rank of the overall top 400, some adjustments there based on what you saw, and we had our NFBC-style draft down there in first pitch we'll talk about. But first, you know, just how do you enjoy yourself this weekend? It was a blast. It was probably my favorite uh first pitch Arizona uh, experience of the the four years I've gone uh really just loved uh getting to talk with everyone you know it's kind of become more about just uh you know networking saying hi to people that listen to the podcast I mean we we met uh you know probably around 10 or 12 people that just kind of came up to us and said they listened to the podcast really appreciate all you guys uh for just going there and, and coming up and saying hey i mean that that was that was really cool uh but just yeah I mean, it's the, really my only time of the year to to get to hang out with uh you know our, our friends in the industry that don't live around here i know you get to see some people at tout wars and everything but uh it was a it was a really cool uh weekend and had a lot of fun with everyone yeah same thanks again to brent hershey ray murphy all the guys at baseball hq for putting on what's always a great weekend a ton of fun get to see people that i respect greatly in the industry and interact with a lot of the, the players the diehards who come there make quite a bit of an effort to get there and and you know talk baseball it's great to be around so many like-minded fans um a lot of them were you know kind of bearing me a little bit based on one of my picks um in the first pitch arizona draft that we did look i I admitted that i had some fear of missing out with vlad um i I didn't want you to get him in like the third which i figured you would i didn't want somebody else to get a big bargain Maybe you wouldn't have even taken him in the third. I don't oh, know. Oh, I, I absolutely would. Okay, yeah, I was going to say. 
Um, I, I would have. I don't know if I could have slept at night, <laughs> lived with myself if that had happened. Um, to be so, fair, the, the, just for everyone's knowledge, mm-hmm. this is a 15 team uh, yes, redraft s- standard uh, NFBC draft champions. It's 50 players draft and hold, and there's no buy in involved. It's mm-hmm. kind of a um, you know, there's a reward. You get a you know, subscription to Baseball HQ if you win the league, but it's really more for bragging rights and really more for uh, just you know one of the first drafts of the year that people can kind of look at and see where players are going. So uh, this, you know, it's I'm not sure. You, I mean, you can maybe speak to this if if this was like say the a main event draft. I'm not sure if you go the same route, but uh, I had no problem with the pick. I thought it was kind of funny how many people. Uh, we're immediately saying that you know you can't profit there that you're paying for the best case scenario i don't think that's true but um yeah the the backlash was was pretty intense among especially among kind of the older crowd and the people that uh we're not that close with yeah you think i'd earned some benefit of the doubt yeah yeah, i mean yeah it's not like (laughs) you had a good season or anything i just think (laughs) look i want to win and i think vlad's going to be a big difference maker i get that it's hard for people to wrap their head around somewhat because he hasn't even played a game in the major leagues yet. But, um, you know, format played a little bit a part of it, having the 50-round draft and hold. I'm not using a bench spot to stash Vlad for the first few weeks. I will have a plethora of options I can use to fill in over those first few weeks, mix and match, uh, to maximize my production there over those first couple weeks. But really, I think talent-wise, he's a second-round pick, and you add in the replacement level level value and let me just kind of give you an idea of um my mindset you know and i've explained this a couple times it's not you know it's nothing out of this world or anything but i i just think that while we haven't seen him the evidence the statistical evidence from the minor leagues gives us a very good idea of what vlad guerrero's true baseline actually is would you agree with that yeah, I think that's one. I mean, there's a lot of factors that I think were lost on some people that were critiquing the pick, but uh, that's definitely one of them. I think that if you if you can't watch Vlad and you can't look at his production and feel really confident about him being good right away in the big leagues, then I think you're just you're struggling with your analysis at that point. I mean, I, I or you just don't know. I mean, I. You, know, you just don't know how good he actually is right yeah you you don't know the player you're talking about you're mm-hmm. treating it like he's the number one prospect in baseball we talked about this a, a few months ago when um you know people were trying to say that not taking acuna this year was the right process wrong result like not all number one prospects in baseball are created equally and yeah he's not yon mancata he's you know vlad i don't think it's a stretch at all to say i I wrote his outlook for the magazine the other day i think he's the best hitting prospect in a generation i don't think and that like key terminology hitting prospect like he's not gonna chip in any steals like ronald acuna will uh he's not gonna be a a quality defender uh like a lot of other number one prospects are but i i think he's a better hitting prospect right now than even like people were talking about Mike Trout and Bryce Harper at the time. I mean, there were people that ranked Matt Moore ahead of Bryce Harper and Mike Trout at the time. Like those guys were big time prospects, but it wasn't just all based on the bat. And with Vlad, it's all based on the bat. I think he's the best hitting prospect we've really, I mean, seen in, in over a decade. So, uh, to just kind of say, well, he's never played in the big leagues. He's just, you know, a number one prospect that really kind of misses the player you're talking about. You're talking Mm -hmm. about a, uh it's not i mean it's not an overstatement to say this is a once in a generation level hitter and so uh i think there's just kind of a lot of uh people that are kind of stuck in sort of a way of thinking that sort of there's no value in paying uh top dollar for young players and it's crazy because we just got done seeing that there there was value especially this time of the year for anyone that ended up with Ronald Acuna. I know there's a different uh, price on draft day, but I think it's a uh, legit. I think the prices make sense with Acuna. There were some, some concerns at least about initial swing and miss issues. Uh, There are zero concerns with Vlad uh, swinging and missing too much in the big leagues in my mind. And 
Uh, there were still some people last year that weren't a hundred percent sure Acuna was going to be up at some point in April. I was a hundred percent sure. I'm a hundred percent sure Vlad's going to be up uh, this April as long as he's healthy. Um, so I just I think there's people are. Uh, bringing some risk into this that just doesn't exist because they're not looking at the player. They're looking at just the idea in a vacuum of taking someone that hasn't played the big leagues that high. Yeah. And I also think there's a, a bit of it's bit of the aspect here is that people just don't want to look stupid. Thankfully I look stupid enough to where I don't really have that. <laughs> you don't mind looking stupid. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> oh, I look stupid all the time. I, I do it, but no, I realistically, you put it really well, but I, I think what it comes down to is, you know, strip everything else away. Strip everything like team context, role, um, all that, which we will count for later. But strip all that away for a second, and just look at hitting ability and ability to hit for power. Those two tools alone. Where does Vlad rank in the entire player pool? And we have to. That's another thing people aren't doing is we have to include these minor leaguers in the player pool because we've seen how many how many of them come up and made an immediate impact. I think if you close yourself off and you just look at major leaguers, you're doing yourself and your your listeners a great disservice. So include everybody in the world in this mix and you know <laughs> hit and power guys. What's the list? I mean, Trout, Betts, JD, Arenado, Machado, maybe Lindor, Acuna for hit and power alone. And then, and I think it's Vlad. So it's, I mean, you may be making a case, but yeah, I really I, think seeing a, you know, a guy hit 400 at double A at 19 is just, I mean, that's almost unprecedented. Yeah, I, I think just looking at hit tools uh, like Trout, Betts, JD. I'm yeah, talking right now. I know. Right now. I know. I'm talking right now. Like, like Trout, JD, Yelich, Betts, um, you know, maybe not Arenado. I mean, I, I put him in there just because the power has been so right. steady. But I think that the I I fully expect Vlad to hit over three hundred in in his rookie season. Uh, I think you know my my comp on him for about a year now, just from a production standpoint, is Albert Pujols and. In Albert Pujols' rookie season, he slashed 329, 403, 610, uh, 37 homers in 161 games. Obviously, Vlad's not going to play 161 games. And obviously, Pujols was probably several years older. I mean, we don't have an official age on Pujols, uh, but, you know, rumored probably you know, four or five years older than Vlad when, when he debuted, but Pujols also wasn't considered a top 40 prospect by baseball America before the season. So Vlad gets a big uh, pedigree edge. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Vlad uh, recreates that exact slash line, that 329, 403, um, you know, 610 might be the part where it gets tricky, but like, even if it's, even if it's just like 560, 570, uh, that's, that's a first round pick. That's not even a second round pick. So, uh, the power I, I probably would project around 28 bombs for him this year, but I would project an average of at least, uh, like 310. Like I think he's, he's probably going to hit 315, maybe even 320. And so when you factor that all in, uh, the counting stat aspect is going to be tough because of the, you know, team context. Can he get to hundred RBI? Can he get to hundred runs scored? Uh, maybe he gets to one of those and, and misses on the other, but uh, by no means is it a just out of control reach to be taking him in the second round. And I think uh, people should have to pay a second round price for him in drafts this year because I think getting him in the third round is is just going to end up being too much of an advantage. So I I had no problem with it at all, and I uh, I really hope that you get a public apology from from everyone. Uh, a year from now and we go back and and vlad finished the year as a, as a top 10 or 12 player yeah we'll see i mean i i get that you know you're losing out on some runs plus rbi um team context maybe not great but i think you know, if you find a serviceable fill-in you can probably make up you know 20 of those runs plus rbi over the first month or so however long it takes three weeks and you and the nfpc part is great too because if he comes up on like a Thursday, you can plug yeah, him right exactly. in. Like it's, gonna miss it's not like you're going to miss like a half week from him mm-hmm. uh, unless he were to get promoted 
uh, like after lineups lock on a Monday or up on a Tuesday or something like that. I mean, there's a good chance that you get almost all of his at bats. And yeah, with those half lineup periods, you can even plug like a platoon guy. Like say you have a exactly. guy on your bench that just mashes lefties and he's got a couple lefties. Like you can what do a be trying to do. bunch of mi- mixing and matching while you're waiting for Vlad to show up. So, uh, format played a big role in this i think uh the lack of you know just really really high stakes in the line may have played a factor in it uh i don't think you were picking necessarily in the perfect spot to do what you did uh i think me being in the room probably played a role in uh where you wanted to pick to make sure that that you were able to pull this off but i i think you know for people listening at home if you are picking, you know, sixth, seventh, or eighth, or something like that, I think you should feel really good about your chances of getting Vlad uh, later in that second round. Um, but I didn't, I didn't have a problem with it at all, and I, I really hope it works out for you. Hey, thanks. We'll see about it. I think you, know, you make a good point that you know, if this was a paid league with a lot of, lot of money in line on the line, maybe I would have done something different. But maybe it would have been smart to just do exactly what well, I did with Vlad, and then. Mondesi because you're swinging for the fences you're going for the yeah. overall prize yeah with an overall prize I think the, what I guess what I meant was if you're in like main event and I'm not in that league yeah, yeah. and you're drafting right now you probably are targeting a later second round pick to do Ideally, this yeah uh, but but yeah I mean I think um I think it was it was fun I'm glad that you were the one that was able to get him um I mean, you've been, you've always been, you've all, like, I obviously do the prospect rankings. So I'm the one that ranks him first overall and was, I mean, we've been kind of ahead of the Vlad Jr. thing for, for like three or four years now in terms of where he's been ranked. But uh, every step of the way, I think you've liked him slightly more than I have just, um, not even from a fancy perspective, but just like as a baseball player, you, I think your love of Vlad Jr. is, uh, pretty unprecedented so I'm, I'm glad that it was was you that ended up with him yeah i published a set of early 350 ranks really i was making it for this draft alone but i thought i'd share it just to give our readers an idea of where my head was at and i had him on there 23rd uh, so i jumped him up over some guys in this draft to take him at 18 but i really think you can make the case and you can make the case on the other way too for all these guys over him but what it, my thought thinking boiled down to really was do I want a guy who I feel will be a top 10 hitter for average and power the second he steps on the field and on April 20th or whenever it is or do I want a guy who I feel maybe has maxed out and is going to be you know a second rounder in a best case scenario it's you know I get both sides of the coin but I wanted that upside there and, and I went and got it so um I doubt he'll be a second-round pick in most leagues next year, but I think in a lot of high-stakes leagues he will be. Um, and from that draft, any picks of yours? You know, I was drafting right right behind you, and we, you sniped me several times. I, I think I did, um, maybe not with Vlad in the second, but some other times throughout. But any other picks of yours that you really liked? Oh, I guess I, I should have mentioned Freddie Freeman when we were talking about um, combinations of, of hit and power. Uh, I think... Yeah. I really think like Freddie Freeman beats Vlad just from a uh, runs and RBI standpoint. But when you combine the player you're subbing in for Vlad, uh, I think they end up kind of producing pretty similarly. I got him in the second round uh, right after you took Vlad. I got Trey Turner with the 12th overall pick, which I really like. I think that's going to end up being one that is a bit of an outlier where I don't really see him going outside the top 10 in too many nfbc leagues as the season gets a little bit closer uh you know i i really uh rolled the dice like an idiot and took byron buxton in the 10th round uh that's a big a big big gamble i mean i've passed on a lot of sure things there in the 10th round to (laughs) to roll the dice on byron buxton who it was declared at the at first pitch arizona it was declared he can't hit like he's never gonna hit uh just you're an idiot if you haven't given up on him. look i mean he's the guy's never gonna hit all right uh so <laughs> i took i took a guy that's never gonna hit in the the 10th round uh i really like austin meadows in the ninth round i think that there's slight playing time concerns but I, to me i think he's i think he might be the best of all their outfielders and uh, it actually worked out nicely. I think that they kept him at Durham for as long as they did last year for the the uh, international league playoffs because it sort of denied him a chance to really 
build up his stock to close out the season. And I really like the combination of, of, you know, power, speed, potential to hit for high average, potential to hit really high in that lineup. I think that he might end up hitting second or third for them for a good chunk of the season. Uh, so getting a guy like that in the ninth, I thought was, was pretty uh, useful, uh, really weighted on pitching. Um, uh, probably, a little too much so but i got some guys that i'm i'm really high on i got jameson Tyon in the fifth who i think uh has a has a decent chance of finishing as a top 15 starter i got tyler glass on the 11th who i love as just a flyer given the price i sort of thought the price would be a little bit higher than it is right now i think he's got major uh major fantasy upside just given the strikeouts and the adjustments he was able to make after that trade where the Rays really kind of just let him be him and got him away from pittsburgh i think that's a real thing with guys like garrett cole and guys like uh, tyler glass now uh jesus lazardo i think i think i think in the thing in the third not going to be able to duplicate in future nfbc drafts i think his price is going to creep up uh to at least the 11th or the the 10th round uh, as people kind of start to realize that he's not going to be long for the minor leagues this year yeah i was really jealous of that lazardo pick i loved that um i think he's going to be a guy like it like walker bueller maybe with more innings like just per inning gonna be just crazy um he's had that tommy john out of the way like like bueller too and i just think in that range even if the price does tick up a little bit it's gonna be highly highly profitable and with the strategy you took of waiting i kind of did too but i hit i mean i waited until the fourth you waited much longer and picked and chose um in the rounds after that but i think especially if you wait on pitching lazardo's a guy great great guy to get to make up ground yeah and i uh you know lazardo is is a nice guy to have in this format for the reasons we talked about with vlad i also ended up with eli menes in the sixth who also yeah, is more true. palatable in this format where i'm just going to be plugging guys in mm-hmm. uh so yeah i mean i i i like my team i I don't expect to necessarily win without uh, without some breaks, without hitting on some of those those mid round picks that we'll do in the slow draft. But uh, I like the just general makeup of the team. I think there's a lot of upside. There's some bust potential, but there's really no risk. Yeah, that's that's funny about uh, Buxton. You know, I was getting grief for Vlad, but you got a lot of grief too for Buxton, which was. You know, eight rounds later and we looked at you you tweeted out that list of 10th round adp guys last year i mean this is a really terrible round by adp in 2018 and i just think people are so risk averse you know like they they look at last year's production be like well you got to lock that in it's no sure thing at all there's just the amount of guys who are considered safe before every uh mlb season or anything but end up returning close to no value it's just we never you're never going to go to a like conference and hear people just bag on all the guys that got taken in the eighth ninth tenth round that are in their mid to late 20s and just return zero value nobody's gonna be bagging on jake lamb right like uh look at all the suckers that took jake lamb last year in the fifth or sixth round like but nobody's gonna yeah and and uh with with Buxton, it was funny because that room, like they, people were talking about, like, oh, you know, Byron Buxton's been terrible, and he went in the tenth round of this draft, and they were like, well, like who, who would take Byron Buxton in the tenth round? And like, I raised my hand, obviously, like barely anyone else raised their hand, and then like, who would take him in the fifteenth round? And like, a few people raised their hand, who would take him in the twentieth round? And like, people were like, no, <laughs> it was just, I mean, come on, like you're, I, people that I take in the tenth, eleventh, twelfth round. I'm inevitably going to drop some of them in leagues and pick guys yeah. up off waivers. Uh, I still, I still believe in in Byron Buxton. I know that I'm very much on an island with that. But I mean, ripping a tenth round pick really, it, it's it's kind of uh, missing the boat, especially when you know this is supposed to be fun. Like you're not, nobody's losing a league in the tenth round, and very rarely are you winning a league in the 10th round and buxton's the type of guy that actually could help you win a league in the 10th round yeah exactly that's what really did me well last year was just seeing plausible upside and pouncing i mean that's that's what you want especially after you get outside the top eight rounds or so just seeing an avenue to where a guy could be highly valuable 
and taking that chance. If it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. But if you play it safe every pick, you're just going to finish middle of the pack every year. You have to take some chances every now and then. But, James, let's move on to what you saw with your own two eyes, some of the adjustments you've made to the overall top 400. One of the biggest notable risers here is Peter Alonzo. Of course, in the Fall Stars game, we saw him turn around 103 or 104, whatever it was, from Nate Pearson. Really impressive show of strength. Um, what's kind of led you to to bump him up aside from just the homer? Yeah, it, it honestly had um, more to do with just what I was sort of hearing um, from people that talked to him. And uh, he's he's just one of those guys that, loves baseball is like curious about you know how he can get better is extremely coachable uh is gonna put the work in i mean it's easy to see that he puts the work in just with how he fills out his uniform uh but you know you combine all that you combine those intangibles with a guy that's got uh that might have 80 grade raw power uh some of the exit velocities that we heard he'd been generating out there were uh, just you know, top, top, top of the scale. And even though I have some questions about the hit tool, like I, I still think it's kind of a fringe average hit tool, like maybe a forty-five, maybe a fifty. Uh, but guys like that can still end up being monster mashers. You know, like you know, Chris Davis has hit below two fifty, whatever for for forever, and yet he still always finishes as a top 100 uh fantasy option that's oakland obviously oakland chris davis um you know guys like matt olson uh i think reese hoskins is a better hitter than peter alonzo but i mean that's another name people might throw out there uh bad year john carlos stanton i mean he's had some some lean years with batting average i mean we've we've seen tons of guys that just kind of hit 240 250 uh, but just hit so many home runs, drive in so many runs that it it becomes worth it. I mean, Carlos Santana is a guy that I was drafting in a bunch of leagues last year. Uh, that one didn't necessarily pan out, but he you know he hit in the middle of the lineup and drove in enough runs where he he was still a positive value last year. Uh, I think Alonzo's power and just his ability to kind of try to make adjustments, be teachable, put the time in. Uh, I, I think that it just equates to a guy that's going to be pretty valuable in fantasy for a long time, even though I, I still don't love the hit tool. Yeah, those like those intangibles are important, you know, and you don't really necessarily know unless you uh, talk to people who are, are close with the, the team and the players, get to actually interact with them personally. So that's interesting. Uh, I'm interested to see where he goes in redraft because – I'm thinking he should be a top 200 type of player, but nobody's probably going to be taking him there unless they're, you know, prospect guys. People probably will. I think the, the fact that he's, I mean, he's well known enough. Like he might be as well known as Eli Jimenez among the redraft crowd. Maybe. Uh, like I, I just, I hear his name so much, uh, just see it so much on Twitter. The fact but he that doesn't he, have a job to start the year. Well, that's what everybody's <laughs> going to be saying. Um, but I mean, you you mentioned this too, though, when we were just kind of chatting before the draft about uh, the prep that we'd been doing, like, and the process of of you making your your initial top three fifty. There comes a time in every draft where it's just everyone sort of looks the same, mm-hmm. and you know that's where you can start taking your guys like uh, Peter Alonzo and Garrett Hampson and Jesus Lazardo. Like, that's that's, that's where you, you roll, should take the right. Picks. That's that's where you should roll the dice on on players when the guy that you would take there there's going to be a guy that is just as good the next round you know what i mean yeah, there's nothing separating those major league hitters so take a chance whichever one you want the next time you pick you know there's just such such little differentiating those guys so yeah i like that idea uh this one pains me quite a bit james this hurts man this feels personal this feels like a personal attack taylor Trammell. I have gotten clarification on that pronunciation, but he's down and down in a major way, down to 47. Um, I know he made a pretty good play in the field and during one of the games we saw, I didn't really see it, but uh, it sounds like he's, you know, most people believe he is a corner guy, guy in left that uh, doesn't have a great arm, but you know, what did you see that really made you bump him down? Cause I didn't really see enough at the plate to really get much of a takeaway. 
Yeah, this was also just kind of more of a what I heard, not necessarily what I saw. Uh, I I would love it if he maxes out and proves me dead wrong. I think that he's a a really cool personality, uh, especially like the type of personality where he's a lot cooler if he's good than if he's mediocre. It kind of reminds me a little bit of of that dude and uh, just kind of what I've heard about him, but. Um, not uh you know our buddy chris welsh interviewed him and uh he said he's just not interested at all in any kind of analytical instruction like he doesn't care about any of that he he's confident he's going to hit for power um i think he also (laughs) i think he also said he likes football more than baseball um i I don't know. I I could just see him being a guy where, and there's, there's a reason. Okay. So I think I've had him in my top 20 for probably over a year. Um, and typically guys that are that high up eventually move pretty quickly. Uh, and either, either they move quickly or they don't struggle for long. And if you kind of factor in what he did after the all-star game and, and, bring it through the the afl that's a pretty long stretch of struggles for a guy who has been really uh kind of cautiously assigned i think by the reds like it's not like they've been continuing to challenge him the way that uh like the twins have challenged alex kirloff or the angels have challenged joe adele or um certain players like that uh even the way that the the nationals have challenged uh, luis garcia like they've been pretty cautious with him uh and that's that's a little telling to me it doesn't mean he's a bad prospect it just means that he's not a guy that i think should be seen as an elite prospect i think that i was just not as open to the idea that maybe he doesn't pan out as i am now uh and the power i think the power is a big question mark uh because he's he hasn't been hitting for power and he basically told chris like that he's not going to make adjustments to hit for power. He's just assuming it's going to come and it, and it might, but he, uh, you know, he's got a, a long swing. Uh, I think that there's going to be more strikeouts at every level he gets to the speed is great, but he's not even a good base dealer for how fast he is. Uh, I just, I kind of came to the realization that there were guys I felt better about, uh, you know, developing into top 100 fantasy players, than him and and you just kind of kept sliding down the list when i was doing that re-rank so uh a guy that you know obviously you're rostering in all formats all dynasty formats if you're listening to this podcast but just a guy that i would maybe consider trying to cash out right now if you can get a guy that i have ranked you know 10 20 spots ahead of him which i think you might be able to in a lot of leagues yeah man i think that's good advice and it's kind of the other side of the coin from the alonzo thing i don't like that a guy who's kind of closed off mentally doesn't want to improve or at least put in the the effort mentally to to figure some things out that's that's not a great sign but as tremel fell a guy who made a pretty substantial jump and now they're pretty closely ranked daz cameron um we saw him traded to detroit recently and you know a lot of a lot of good reports from the the prospect panel we heard at the symposium so uh, was this another one where it was you, know, you just hear hear good things mostly, or what was the reasoning behind this jump? You know, I really liked what I saw from Daz. I thought that he, uh, you know, one of the things that we'd sort of heard is that he gets the most out of his tools. Like he kind of he really maxes out his his skills, and I, I definitely think we saw that uh, the the few times we saw him play. I thought his his BP was pretty impressive. I mean, his BP was just as impressive to me as as Trent as tremels um he has good speed it's not 70 grade speed but he he hustles he's got really good instincts out there i think that he's a guy that's going to steal more bases than maybe the raw speed uh would suggest and i think he's in a perfect situation i think that we're going to see him in detroit fairly early next year i mean the fact that he already made it to triple a and like this is what i was talking about with tremel like the reds have been they've kind of been on opposite spectrums in terms of how their teams have been pushing them up the ladder uh daz has been fast-tracked ever since he got traded to the tigers and he's he's earned those promotions and uh that that outfield is is still just a a total train wreck so i mean he could play anywhere out there 
and on a team like that, a team that's got no chance of, of being competitive anytime soon, he's going to have the green light on the bases a lot more than, than guys on, on really competitive teams are going to have. So I think he, he could sneak out a 20, 25 steel season, uh, you know, as early as 2020. So, uh, just the proximity, the fact that he could be a five category guy, uh, the fact that he really kind of impressed me in person and, and we really didn't hear anything bad about him the entire weekend. So I felt that that warranted a move up. Yeah. And whereas Trammell, you know, kind of alluded to it, it's, a lot of people thinking he's going to be strictly in the corner. That puts a lot of pressure on the bat. But do you think you think Daz can play center pretty well? I I don't know about uh, pretty well, but I think better than any of their other options. Yeah, like yeah. the Tigers don't have a center, a big league caliber center fielder either on the big league roster or in the upper levels of the minors. So. Uh, I think Daz will get to play center quite a bit for them, uh, just based on the fact that they don't have better options. So another guy who fell, Estevan Florial, and I mentioned that you know the prospect panel at the conference, and one of the quotes I wrote down was, you know, epitome of what quick twitch looks like. But um, there are also a lot of you know, negative observations as well. With Florial, what uh, led to this bump down? Yeah, no, he looks the part. I mean, just if you lined him, Trammell, and Daz up, Floriel looks better in a uniform than any of those guys, and they all look great. But, I mean, Floriel is is exactly what you want a toolsy outfielder to look like uh, at that age. Uh, the problem is I just I don't think he's ever going to be able to do anything with quality breaking balls. He has you know he can do damage against fastballs he actually doesn't have a terrible approach like he can he can take the ball to all fields i think we saw him hit a opposite field triple i mean the speed is it's just electric when he gets going uh but i just i have some big time question marks about uh what type of batting average what type of strikeout totals he's going to put up because you know this is the second year in a row they've sent him out here in hopes of him uh kind of showing some signs of progress and he, he showed some small signs maybe in in different areas i think this this past year at high a but uh the guy there's no there's no way of saying like his development is going according to plan i mean you don't send a guy to the afl twice and send a guy to high a twice uh if everything's going according to plan i think he's really struggling to pick up uh, breaking balls and he's only going to see better breaking balls the higher he gets up the ladder so the tools are going to keep him inside the top 100 uh but i mean he he could be kind of a jorge mateo type of guy where when he gets to triple a it just gets pretty ugly and you really have to keep betting on those tools to continue to keep him in the top 100 so he's down to 68 uh another guy that i would i would consider cashing out right now yeah, one of the people put a Franchi Cordero comp on him, which you know got made my ears perk up a little bit. Uh, but he maybe comes with some of those same concerns. Uh, another quote here was that you know advanced and older pitchers get him out pretty easily. Already a book on this guy, so um, yeah, definitely concerns. Even though the raw talent is there, uh, one guy I wanted to ask you about. Didn't know a ton about him, but he's up to eighty-one on here, and I like what I hear about the swag from Jazz Chisholm. What does this skill set look like? Well, yeah, he uh, was, I mean, it, let me paint a picture for you. All right, so we're, I'm on the field uh, during BP. Uh, Vlad's done with his BP. Jazz should have been in the, the Fall Stars game, but didn't get the, the vote in. And he's, he's sitting uh, front row uh, with two, um, pretty attractive ladies on on either side and it's just it's just him and the two ladies right and he's in the middle and he's got like this gigantic uh pinky ring on um and he's just chilling there watching watching guys take bp and vlad like goes way out of his way to just go over there and like chat him up oh, for yeah. for a good like 10 minutes uh <laughs> so I'm sure yeah. someone else brought him to that section. That's really all I needed to to see to to give him a big bump. No, <laughs> um, no. I mean he he's uh, he's one of those guys where I think the uh, I mean you can kind of look at the way that the Diamondbacks have promoted him, and 
it's uh they obviously have a lot of faith in him that there's there's been strikeouts at every single level i think there probably always will be strikeouts but there are certain players where they can always strike out and always produce and like a you know trevor story kind of comes to mind right where trevor story is always going to strike out a ton javi baez has gotten his k rate much lower than i think almost anyone would have expected but he's always gonna look silly up there sometimes on, on breaking balls uh, but those guys also just always produce because when they hit the ball they hit it hard they have a good plan when they're up there they know what pitch they're looking for um and there were some really good reports about his defense at shortstop um he just felt like a guy i had him i think i had him probably in like the 120s or so felt like a guy that needed to be about 40 spots higher nice and cole tucker yeah, 22 years old out here seems to be on the verge you know there's going to be some openings in that middle infield in pittsburgh this year and cole tucker may be a guy who has some 2019 relevance yeah i think uh that's the way it's looking and he was the best defensive shortstop we saw out there um yeah i, I think plus defense at shortstop is uh, going to be there with cole tucker which separates him from every other player that's close to the majors for the pirates right now and i think you know the more we see a kevin newman uh you know kevin kramer might get a another look at, at second base but the more we see from all those other middle infielders in, in the pirate system that are up up by the big leagues they all just kind of look like utility guys whereas tucker at least his defense i think is going to make him an everyday player on that team and he's got a really uh skinny waist which i don't really love and i'd always sort of thought you know given his size he's like six three uh like 185 190 you know i always sort of thought there was room for a bit more power there than he's shown in the minors i don't really think that anymore unless he just alters his swing just because uh, it's just it's not the type of body that typically ends up churning out 15 20 home runs but he's aggressive on the bases he's got good instincts as a as a base stealer and i think he could be someone that hits 265 270 steals 20 bases plays every day uh, that's going to have value and like you said the eta is, is a big mark in his favor as well monty harrison's really interesting i joked that you should bump him up just based on that halloween bp video <laughs> where he took bp in a wwe championship belt clearly not why you bumped him up still not a super aggressive rank 196 do you kind of settle on this being the sweet spot between upside which may be you know under 50 percent chance of him even sniffing and then the downside or is this kind of situation where you're you actually are buying into him making it as a big leaguer uh i think that the upside is just so up that i needed to move him up uh you know, if you just like if you went to the AFL for a week and just watched Monty Harrison and Taylor Trammell, I think almost anyone would leave saying Monty Harrison's a better prospect because you're not going to see just the ridiculous strikeout rates. Like that's not going to register with you in just like a, a three or four game sample, mm-hmm. and the physical awesomeness that is Monty Harrison is going to register and he just carries himself uh I mean he's just having a blast out there uh he was during the during the fall stars game I mean some of the stuff that we got to see front row was just so fun to to see in person you know Nate Pearson's out there pumping 104 uh legit 104 and Monty can hear us sitting there like he's getting ready he's warming up in the on deck circle you can hear us talking about like is that really 104 and he like looks to us he like nods he's like yep that's 104 and then um he goes up he goes up there and he he probably k's really quick and then he like is just laughing his ass off and looks to the dugout and is like that's legit like that was legit 104 and like he's just having a blast while really getting owned by nate pearson but i mean it just kind of like he's a fun guy to be around like any any team any any teammate is gonna love having him on the team i still don't think he hits enough uh the strikeouts are just gonna be a a massive issue with him uh but you know there's just 
guys don't look like him and play baseball. Like, so if, if he's able to make adjustments, I think the Marlins have done uh, some pretty questionable stuff with adjusting his swing since he's entered the org. So if he's able to find the right swing coach and make the right adjustments, you know, few guys have his type of power speed ceiling uh and maybe and as we're talking this through i should maybe even have him a bit higher than i do just based on that ceiling but i would still bet against him ever hitting better than like 225 or 230 in the big leagues yeah i think you know that may be a bet i'm willing to take just because the price i still think is is so low in dynasty i'm gonna have to when rdi opens again for trading i have to sniff around with that monty harrison owner but you know i glossed over nate pearson earlier just because i was i don't know was scrolled down too far but yeah we mentioned the the gas but what do the secondaries look like and uh, how close is he uh i we didn't really get to see uh secondaries from him he was just pumping uh just pumping that gas which is fine uh alonzo was sitting on that gas and was able to hit it to um, right right That's center field insane, which man. was just crazy uh but i've heard that there's a a good breaking ball and a good change up in there um i think there's conflicting reports about which is better out of the breaking ball and the change up but to me just given his size and given that velocity at the very least you've got a a late inning arm and i think he's got the type of frame that where he could eat uh, a ton of innings like i think he could be just a traditional starting pitcher if the secondaries and the command come along and uh this is a guy that if you wanted to just play it safe and just assume that all pitchers break especially ones that throw 104 and there's still a long ways to go for him developmentally this is a good time to, to be shopping him because people are really hyped on nate pearson right now but uh just based on what we saw in terms of that that monster monster fastball that I mean, it was 104 on the score on the scoreboard gun, but it was also 104 on some scouts guns. So that was that was legit, and I think that you got to put him inside the top 75 just based on that. We were talking a little bit earlier about guys wanting to get better and putting in that, that effort um, make up with Peter Alonzo, but uh, a, lot, a lot of glowing reports too in, in a similar way about Ryan McKenna. I know he did not end up moving up your list. But do you think he's a guy who maybe has a a future as a major league starter? Yeah, you know, I moved him up. I just didn't move him up enough to for it to generate an okay. arrow because guys guys outside the top uh, one hundred, uh, I think you got to I got to move him up more than forty spots for them to for it to generate an arrow. So interesting, uh, and that's just because I don't I don't want there to be an arrow next to every single guy, you know. So. Yeah, I don't. I know there are people that are higher on McKenna. I think. Uh, I think Ralph Lifshitz might have him in his top 100. I I saw more of a low end uh, third outfielder, maybe a fourth outfielder. That's a good team to be on if if you want to kind of overshoot that. But there were also a lot of conflicting reports on his his speed. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't really get to see him in a situation to to get a grade on that but you know some people were saying he had uh 80 speed and then i i talked to chris welsh who's seen him out there plenty and he was just like no uh it's more like above average to plus speed and i i'm not really sold on him hitting enough uh to be an everyday guy but just an interesting guy to keep an eye on a guy that's probably out there still in a, in a good chunk of leagues well, really good stuff. It was fun watching games with you down there, James, and fun seeing everybody again at first pitch. Thanks to Brent Hershey, Ray Murphy, Baseball HQ for another great weekend. Anything else you want to mention? Uh, yeah, I'll just really quickly, uh, a couple, two guys I moved up that we didn't see, but uh, I talked to some scouts that have been sitting on the AZL this past year. Um, Christian Robinson with the Diamondbacks, he hasn't played in a full season league yet, but I moved him up to 18th overall. Uh, I, I think you could argue that after, I mean, you could argue that after Vlad and maybe after Wander Franco, he might have the highest upside of anyone in the minors. Um, like it could be 70 power, 60 speed, maybe even, maybe even 80 power, 60 speed 
uh, when it's all said and done, uh, just built like a built like a prototypical wide receiver in the NFL, um, that type of athlete. And he, uh, is really advanced. Like he, he climbed a couple levels as a 17 year old and he can get to double a before he turns 20. Uh, so that's a guy that, you know, we've talked about him on the podcast before, but still a guy that's pretty under the radar. And I think you could, you could probably still acquire him at a palatable price right now. And then, uh, Brian Rochio, uh, with the uh, Cleveland Indians, uh, he's not super tooled up, but I moved him up to 71st overall, just because you know if you everyone I talked to that was on the AZL this year, it was just like oh Rochio, uh, like that's that's the guy, and those guys typically end up being top 10 prospects uh, at least in real life. He might not have the tools in terms of power and speed to ever be a, a top 10 fantasy prospect but uh, everyone thinks he's going to hit everyone thinks he's going to stick up the middle uh, he's a guy that could move really quickly just based on how advanced he is and how polished he is so uh, that's another name uh, that you might be able to acquire pretty pretty cheap right now nice man we'll get him we appreciate it we by the way have a front runner as of now for the um, end of podcast rundown or list for next season Worst hip hop singles. Yeah. All the time. So if you have a better idea, let us know. Um, I heard <laughs> "Pass the Cavassier" on the radio, and that uh, <laughs> brought the idea to my head. Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited about that. I mean, I I uh, <laughs> like I like talking about negative stuff almost more than I like talking about positive stuff. Yeah, and it's fine. It's time we swing in that direction. Yeah. Like I. I think it's more fun to talk about like my misses on prospects than it is like my hits, uh, just same, because same it's more me. it's more kind of instructive. Mm-hmm. And making fun of uh, media, I think, is is almost always more fun than uh, praising it. So yeah. I think this is a, a great route for us to go. All right, again, worst hip hop singles of all time, probably top twenty again. But if you have a better idea, let us know on Twitter at ClayWLink at RealJRAnderson. Thanks, guys. We'll be back again soon checking up with you on the Roadwire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.